Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on LA Talk Radio. It's Raising the Vibration right here on LA Talk Radio. For more info on the show, you can go to latalkradio.com or I am raising the vibration.com. Welcome to our second show. We're so excited now to have this radio show as an extension of the movement of peace, love, kindness, and unity that I started on November 9th. Um, sort of in in reaction to some of the divisions and divisiveness that I saw in our country called I Am Raising the Vibration of the Nation and the World. And uh, we're just going to throw a bunch of love into the world and hope that it it all works itself out through love. So uh, every week we feature somebody that I know and love and admire and respect for what they're doing every day to ask what can I do to make the world a better place and this woman is certainly a beautiful example of that she's a wonderfully talented director writer producer speaker and of course you know um, her film what the bleep do we know and many other things that she's done Uh, please welcome the wonderful Betsy Chassie to the show hello my friend hi Sheena I'm so excited for you doing this we the world needs it oh my god don't we need this (laughs) yes we do you know I after the election like I think many people I had a little bit of a meltdown and I thought well what am I going to do now am I going to leave the country am I going to curl up in a fetal position and ask why for the next 20 years and then I kind of got a download from the universe a couple of days later that that know that this is what you're going to do. You're going to you're going to start this movement of peace and love and kindness and unity. And I founded it on on November 9th, which uh, is my mother's birthday. Mm. It was my first without her, so it was a hard enough day anyhow. And then it was also the post election day, and it just uh, it just I wanted to move in this direction. I wanted to do something to honor her, and I didn't know what I wanted to do. And then I just got all the answers and. Here yeah. we are. So she's guiding you and telling you what to do from oh, afar. <laughs> she absolutely is guiding me and telling me what to do. Mothers uh, never stop. Just, just in case you, in, in case you were wondering. Oh, and I, she always said that. I said, "What's going to happen when you die?" And she's like, "They'll haunt you." <laughs> and I, I guess I sort of thought that was a joke, but it's not. Nope, not a joke. Being haunted every day, and so glad that I still have her with me, mm-hmm. just in a different capacity now. Mm-hmm. It's nice because she's always been my champion, and she still is. Mm. Now she's kind of like my secret spirit weapon mm-hmm. my dad is like that he shows up all the time yeah it says you know like I, I what i don't even expect it or know when it's coming but you know what it is does that make sense absolutely any sense? sure so you know you know that you've just got oh my dad just dropped in and said you know betsy what are you doing you oh, should be doing this or really betsy, yeah, oh yeah all the time yeah mine gives me some orders sometimes but mostly she just she she tells me not to be so hard on myself and she just provides love mm. and she smiles and laughs a lot mm. no my dad gives me little kicks in the butt loving kicks in the butt okay was but, he like that when he was alive yes yeah but he also is like my dad is a dreamer like i'm a dreamer i had to come to this is what happened to me recently was that i finally realized you know i'm a dreamer i I I get some crazy idea and I want to go do it. Like okay. that's just what I do. And most people get crazy ideas and they go, "Oh, I'm not going to do that." Like generally I'll go, "I want to I think I want to do this." And then I just figure it out. Like I'm going to start a website, I'm going to make a movie, I'm going to write a book, I'm going to jump out of a plane, whatever it might be. I just I do that and I get that from my dad. 
And uh, so, you know, there will be times when I'll have some sort of dream or vision or thing that I want to do, and I'll start to talk myself out of it. And, and that's usually when he comes in with a little, oh, you have to do it now, you know? Oh, I love that. You know? So he's he's your champion as well. Yeah, yeah. So, you know, at, at, at what point in your life did you know that your mission was to make the world a better place? <sighs> That's a great question. At what point did I know? I don't always know that, to be really honest with you. I'm going. I'm in the middle of, a, of my own little existential crisis at the moment, based on you know what happened um, with this election. Okay. And, and what is that crisis for you? Well, I started to wonder if anything that I'm doing matters. Like you know, like really, in the, in the end of it. Is any of this mean anything anymore? Like, wh- yeah. why do I make, you know, I can make a whole bunch more money doing other stuff, you know, and it's hard to make earn, make a living, you know, because, you know, I'm not a fluffy woo-woo, you know, bullshit artist, excuse me, bull poo-poo <laughs> artist when it comes to the new age. And I'm not, you know, a fluff person. And I, I tell things like I'm a little edgy and a little quirky and but I'm I believe in what I'm sharing with people but I'm not so sure people want to hear it and with this election I just thought I don't know I think maybe I should just literally you know go work at Starbucks and just forget it all I mean that's literally where I came to that's where I was directly after the election I thought that's it I'm and I'm you know I'm such a patriot I've never thought of leaving this country I mm-hmm. thought I'm gonna sell everything I own mm-hmm. move to Ireland I can do spiritual work there. I can write from there. Mm-hmm. It's just time for a change. Right. And that was where I was on November 9th on mom's birthday. And then I cried for a couple days. And then November 11th, oddly enough, 11 11, mm-hmm. right? I woke up and I had every week I go to my mom's house once or twice a week and I'm going through her stuff. And I thought, I'm, I'm not going to do it this week. I can't do it. And I thought, you know what? You, you get your butt up and get dressed and get down there and do what you would do every other week. And I was literally walking to my car mm-hmm. and the download just happened. And I mm-hmm. thought, okay, this is what I'm going to do. Yeah. But I felt the same way. I thought, what is it all about? What am I doing with all of my my love and my giving everybody a virtual hug when when truly what it seems like everybody wants in this country is this message of bullying that they that resonated and to with be them pissed and mad yeah. and right and you know hold the bag of truth on who we should be having sex with apparently it's very important yeah right that's like clearly, and what we should do with our uterus right because that's you know that's apparently more important stuff than like I this is not my tweet but, uh, but I saw somebody tweet this yesterday and it said I'm ha- about the Affordable Care Act thing and they said you know I'm really having a hard time just explaining to you why you should care about people like, like yeah like it just it's I, I've gotten to the point now with Facebook and all those things that I can't even o- open it a lot because everyone's every time you turn around it's like and now this is happening and now and you're just like I can't I I can't I can't look at everybody just standing around in in is incredulation a word? Incredulous. Sure. Like, how? This is horrible. In a state of incredulation. Yeah, in a state of incredulation. And then say, so, well, what? To me, and this is in my own humble, I don't really know anything opinion, but that what is occurring is occurring because it has to occur this way. Like, for us, 
for humanity, we have been given opportunity after opportunity to choose a higher level of being, a higher way of living. We have enough food on this planet to feed everyone. Sure. We have the technology to make this planet the most thriving, abundant, sustainable planet that could be. Like, we actually have that now. Absolutely. It's not some weird thing we could think of. We have enough homes in this country to give every person a home. Just give it to them. And yet, we don't choose that. As a society, we don't step back and go, wait a second, we don't really need to live within this construct of this economic system that we've created, actually. We could let it go. And and we don't want to. And so if we don't want to let it go, guess what? Donald Trump, who's the epitome of all of that, is going to be our president. Yeah, right. Well, then that's what I'm saying, that we love this idea of somebody that grabbed an election by the balls and just took it. By saying and doing whatever they wanted. And there were a lot of people. It's the American dream. That loved that about that campaign, which was terrifying enough. Then on top of that, there are so many people now on the other side of the political spectrum who have become just vicious since the election didn't go their way. And and I'm saying that saying that was my way too. It didn't go my way either. And now you've look, got two people, very angry sides screaming at each other. And, and you know, look, at the end of the day, those people that are pissed off that Hillary didn't get elected, well, she stole the election from Bernie. I mean, it's like at, at some point we just have to stop. <laughs> we right. just have to stop and go, okay, look, it really it's about compassion, human decency, and kindness. Right. And, like... You know what? If my neighbor is hungry, I should feed my neighbor. And right. if my neighbor's neighbor is hungry, we should get together and figure out how to help each other eat and put shelter for everybody. And it's almost like going back to those basic things. And and I think that that's the choice that we are in. We are in a time where as a species and in our consciousness and in our evolution where we're like we're really being asked at the most hardcore level we can be asked, okay, what do you really want? Do you really want love and peace and kindness and compassion? And if so, what are you willing to give up to get that? Yeah. Well, you know, and I think that politics is a dirty business. I don't think it's spiritually enlightening. I think that you know, many people believe that Hillary stole the election from Bernie. I do not, but I I also think there, it's you're you're you could then you would have to say Donald Trump stole it from everybody else, and you would have to say Obama stole it from Hillary in two thousand eight, uh, uh, and so right? on. And parties so on and so parties on. make their choice. You're vying to get the ticket. Part of it is what the people think, but a lot of it we've learned from the Electoral College this time and in 2000. A lot of it is what politicians want. Right. The, the parties pick who they want. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think that there should be... I, I would be happy for parties just to go away. I would be happy for everyone to just run on their own platform and you pick the candidate you right? like. And, and, you know, well, again, it's, it's like how deeply ingrained... And or um, what's the word like when you're vested? Yeah, right. how, invested. How, how invested are you in this illusion? Because you either have to dive. Like you know, I've been. I got really passionate about the whole divesting movement and Standing Rock and all that kind of stuff. Sure. And so divesting's this big 
big word right now. Well, like I've started to look in my own life how I can divest from the illusion. Yeah. You know, what can I do literally every moment to ask myself, okay, does this fit my values? Does this does this support humanity in a way that's sustainable and and responsible and and it's really tough you know because it's a tough decision this is so random but i'll tell you my confession was my boyfriend got a has a a dartboard he's really into darts and it's been really wet and raining and icky out and we were looking for stuff to do that we could keep the kids inside and have fun and and play some games and we like outplayed all of our board games and i i went into walmart today for the first time in a really long time and bought like darts because we needed darts for the dartboard and i thought to myself ah i don't want to do this and yet this is the only way that i can do this and so but i still i wrestle with the conversation and i made a decision i said you know what okay I'll buy these darts. You know, it's not like I'm going in there right. and doing this other stuff. I'll step I, into the Walmart. Right. But I, but like literally I'm that, I'm that intense about it now in my life because I think that's what we have to be, you right. know, because otherwise you're, you know what, if you're not, if, otherwise I'm just as, I don't get to complain. I don't, you know? Yeah. I have, uh, I've stepped into the Walmart. I, I have, <laughs> I, I try to do as much as I can. Um, in many ways, uh, but but there's you know there's so much around you. You have to pick and choose. You have to make your stand in a certain way. Right. W- where are you going to shop? Where you're not going to shop? What's okay? I mean, more and more every day, we're discovering that these heads of corporations are are you know yeah. not spiritually enlightened and are doing things that either reflect bigotry, uh, homophobia, uh, misogyny, um you know being you know immoral practices towards their employees or towards animals. I mean, where do you what can we still do that's okay? Well, that was the big that was a big part of my existential crisis when the whole Standing Rock thing came to be was that I went and I looked at my bank, and of course my bank is was. I'm slowly divesting out of my bank as fast. I mean, as, as easy. It's not easy to do when you have mutual production accounts with other companies, and they're like, "I don't want to close our bank. I don't give a shit raps about that," you know. But sure. But for me, I basically have started to really say, you know what? It can't. I I don't get the luxury anymore. If I'm not going to be in alignment with what this country voted for or didn't vote for whoever you ask then I don't get to complain about it unless I'm really willing at every level I possibly can to do something about it yeah okay I like that so why are you leaving your bank so I'm leaving my bank because Wells Fargo Bank of America and most major uh, banking institutions in the United States um, invest in fossil fuels okay and so I have to if if I was very I couldn't go to Standing Rock a um, very dear friend of mine went, and right. she's been doing some amazing work. friends that have been there, too, and I admire them very much. Yeah. My friend Colby Devitt has been doing a lot of really good writing for Yes Magazine and some other magazines about divesting and the divesting movement. And so this is a great way that, you know, okay, listen, I can't go with my two kids to the middle of, you know, <clears throat> the um, South Dakota or... or was it South Dakota? I can't even remember now. To um, to figure out uh, North Dakota, figure out you know I can't do that. But what can I do? Oh, 
I have all my money in this bank account. And if I take my money out of that bank and let that bank know that I'm doing that because I don't like their practices and enough of us start to do that, then guess what? Banks will say, wait a second, we're losing our money. Because at the end of the day, if you want to create one, one, if you're looking for one way to protest, protest with your dollars. That is the biggest thing that you can do. And it's actually become a really huge movement. And while so far Wells Fargo hasn't pulled out their funds yet, they're, they're, they're under attack pretty heavily. And a lot of banks have. Several other banks have pulled their money out because they've started to realize, wait a minute, if this many people are, I don't have the numbers, but it's like up in the millions and millions and millions of dollars have been divested. Wow. And it's making a difference. Wow. Yeah, I mean, it's it's true. I mean, I think we're going to learn that in the next four years. One of our challenges and one of our lessons is going to be to learn that you can't just be an armchair quarterback of no. your own country. You have to actually become involved. Are you going to go next Saturday? To the Women's March? Yeah. I am going to go to the Women's March. I'm taking my kids, both of them, my son and my daughter. Good. And we're going to be working. We're a, we're a booth. My friend, um, I don't know if you know her. You should have her on. Her name is Tess. She has an organization called Gwen, Global Women's Absolutely. Empowerment. Absolutely. You brought her on my yeah, daily yeah. Sheena Metal Experience show. That's right. Her, Catch Tori is her last yes, name, right? You yes. Catch Tori. So anyway, she has an amazing organization that does a lot of great work for women called Global Women's Empowerment Network. So we're, gonna, we're going to support her, and I'm taking my nine-year-old and my 12-year-old. And it was funny because at first they were like, why are we going this? And I said, because you know what? If, because when I was nine, I didn't go to these things. Because when I was 12, I got, I, I was just taught, you know, buy, do, go, here, And you know what? I think you guys need to learn that if you really want whatever kind of country and world you want to have, you have to be actively creating it. And this is a part of it. I, I agree. And I think it's beautiful that they're happening. I'm, I'm sorry I can't go to D.C. Yeah. I, I think it's wonderful they're happening all over the country. But I think it's better that they're happening all over the country. I, I do, think, too. I think it's going to be more But I meaningful. still wish I was in D.C. Yeah. No, true. But, you know, who wants to, you know, I think for me, the fact that it's here in L.A. and I can take my kids that I'm, yeah. you know, that they can go it's with beautiful. me. I think that to me is a more powerful statement for not only me, but for my kids than going to D.C. Yeah, I agree. I agree with you. I think that this is a time as women that we need to... Well, we wanted the feminine to rise. Guess what? Finally start taking our power. Because I think a lot of what we saw on November 8th was a country saying, yeah, we're not ready. You know what? But it's interesting because it... it we could look at it that way, and I'm not saying that that's wrong. What, I, what I'm saying is that we have been women, the feminine, has been, um, you know, called and calling and wanting to break through for a long time now. Yeah. And basically, at this point, it's almost like if you think about the beautiful yin and yang in the pendulum, you know, what better call than to elect as the, quote, leader of the free world the most horrific, misogynistic, narcissistic, patriarchal being you could elect. Yeah. I, I Yeah. I'm trying to find the good in that. Please continue to explain. Well, it's... <laughs> <laughs> look, I, my daughter gets annoyed with me. So she's like, you always find the good in everything. But look, I just can't... I mean, I, I, like you, I spent several days just sitting there. I still was driving here tonight and I was thinking, like, I don't know about you, but I think since November 9th, 
I have had a perpetual sense of dread in my stomach. I think we all have. I think we're all dreading Friday, right? Well, January 20th. I mean, everybody's counting it down like it's the end of the world, like the comet's coming. You know, for all I know, it could. But I... I, I'm and I'm trying to honor that sense of dread and fear because that's what it is. It's fear. You know, I can't afford. I'm a single mom who's self-employed. You want to know how much health insurance it costs for me? Yeah. It's insanity. You yeah. know, I am like excuse. I don't even I can say the word. I'm the. I am like the B of the government. You know, I'm single. I make just enough money to look like I'm somebody, but not enough to really get anywhere. And the government is constantly taxing the bejesus out of me. Right. I mean, you're the middle class that they're trying to make yeah, go away. Right. And and I'm people like me are struggling, and you start taking away all of these things like the Affordable Care Act and this tax deduction and that tax deduction. And you know what? Eventually, I just kind of go. I throw my hands up to all of it, and I go, well, what? That's not going to serve me. I can't, you know, I'm, I'm a fighter in the end. I'm a, I'm a thriver in the end. And so I sit back and I go, okay, the gauntlet has been thrown. Right. You wanted the rise of the feminine? Give them the meanest, nastiest, ugliest monster you can give them. And guess what? The feminine, here she comes. And I think we're going to see that. And I think for once, because, you know, they say that the downfall of Hillary for the election was, was white middle class women. And I think now women are going to have to look at this choice that they've made and finally get to this place that they have always struggled with, that many women struggle with, that am I going to finally embrace my femininity and defend my own, Mm -hmm. or Mm -hmm. am I going to continually be a woman that stands behind a man? And there's nothing wrong with men. There's nothing wrong with standing behind your man, standing behind the men in your life. I love men. But there, we have always been a minority, even though physically we're the majority, and we allow ourselves to be a minority. But you have to understand that w- there's two different things at play here. So there's the masculine and the feminine, which is different than you know penis and vagina. Okay, <laughs> totally different things. You know, absolutely. We all have, we all carry masculine and feminine energies within us. And what oftentimes happens with people is they begin to man bash, and that really I think right, that's, that's a big awful. I think that's a big problem with the feminist movement. Is I they agree. Get, they start man bashing, and you know I, I that's we're back to our swinging pendulum again. One's on top and one's on the bottom. Until we as a species, as a as a as a society, when we can finally sort of get together with our parts, our masculine and our feminine, our yin and our yang, and really create the balance within them, then we're going to have this utopia everybody wants. But until one is better than the other, one is up and one is down, and it doesn't have to mean perfect balance, because as you know, balance is has movement in it. Absolutely. But still, we have to get into this space where we, I don't want to say, it's I'm, I, would, I prefer to say matriarch, patriarch, as opposed to men and women, because because you know, I know a lot of men who are going to march on Saturday. Yeah, you know, my son's going to march on Saturday. You know, I talk to him a lot about staying connected to his heart. I just saw him the other day. You know, somebody was telling him, "Oh, you got to man up," and I said, "You know what? 
you can quote man up and be strong, but never lose sight of your heart. And that's kind of where we are in this society is we're confused. We, we don't know how to connect to our masculine and our feminine. We don't know how to use all of the tools and resources that have been given to us to create what we want. So we live in fear and we suffer with greed and stress and anxiety. And that's kind of what we're doing. We have so much of all of that, right? We do. Yeah. And, and if we would just let so much of that go and allow ourselves to be filled with love and positivity and, mm-hmm. and peaceful thoughts. But we resist that. And I think that's a lot of what we saw with this election. I think the last 18 months uh, has just sort of been a microcosm for yeah. the things that are broken, not just in this country, but, but with humans in general. Well, because at our base, we are still trying to survive. Like we still, right. our nature is survival. And still, we as a species don't feel safe. So we, every, you know, look at what's going on. I mean, you know, wars and what was it that Trump said the other day? Let's do an arms race. They're perpetuating this need to, you're not safe. You need us to be safe. You know what? I don't need any of them to be safe. None of us do. You know, if we, st- I remember, I had the coolest thing happen. You you must have been living here when it was the the earthquake. It was like ninety one, was it? The, the yeah, ninety four. Ninety four, right? Northbridge quake, right? So when that quake happened, it was you know probably the biggest thing I had felt like that. Right? Shocking. My chimneys came down. I was living yeah. in West LA. Uh huh. I was living right in Sherman Oaks, and that wow. right where the fault line scooted over from Northridge and hit me. Wow. Yeah. So I don't know what your experience was, but I had this experience, and most of the people that I talked to had the very same experience, a complete connection with their I mean, I didn't even know my neighbors that well, but it was as if this, our street, this little block of 10 houses came together and banded together and supported yeah. each other. And then guess what? The next 10 houses did the same thing, and the next 10 houses did the same thing. And you know what? That's actually what we're capable of. Absolutely. But we keep being told that we need this guy and this woman and we have, they're our leaders and this is the government and we, you better be careful because the, the Muslims are coming and the black. And it's just constant perpetuating fear. And this is what I love about you saying, you know, I am raising the vibration. Absolutely. Because that's what we have to do in order to, I think, get out of the, the, the fear mongering, which is the only way that paradigm is going to exist any longer. Absolutely. We have to let fear go. Fear is a, it's a toxic illness amongst humanity. And so many people are fear-based. And I think that's a lot of what happened with uh, our president-elect was that he ran a campaign where he pushed fear buttons. Mm-hmm. And people fell into it. Because it's, it's easy. And then, you know, a lot of fear was created around Hillary Clinton and around Bernie Sanders and around everybody that wasn't conservative. And then then more fear buttons were pushed and then oh my goodness well what if we put this person in office then everything's going to be destroyed within two days and you know it's going to be the decline of western civilization and then there's more well, fear that already happens fear <laughs> upon fear do you think that i think do you that think the decline of western civilization I think has happened that well i would say it like this and, you know, look, I'm not a sociologist and anything. I'm just, you know, a girl with a mouth. And so, my, <laughs> and that's why you're here. And this is my opinion. You know, I'm a mom. I have a preteen daughter and a nine-year-old son. And I look at them and then I look at society and I think, as a species, we are, we are in our teens. 
We are coming, we're kind of coming out of our teens and we're in a major transition. And we are acting out and I think we are going to see the decline of the civilization in the sense that, and maybe this is my hope, but we have a choice now. Consumer, capitalistic, materialistic, materialism, science, or the other way. I'm doing a really cool little book trailer uh, for a woman that wrote a book. Um, her name is Claire Brown, and the book is called Buddhist Economics. And it's really fascinating because she's an economics professor at Berkeley, and she really breaks down how simple and possible it is to let go of the sort of materialistic, money-chasing, greed, all just-for-me survival mechanism paradigm that we're in and move over to this other paradigm, which is in the sense of something we already do, like we did with the earthquake. Take care of each other. Support each other. Work together as a team. Look at, you know, create communities. It's not that far-fetched, but it's going to require that we pull the needle out of our arm of greed and 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 that kind of survival based fear and we know we can do it because like you said we did it in los angeles after the northridge quake we saw the country rally around new orleans after hurricane katrina Mm -hmm. we all did it after Mm 9-11 i mean there are ways that we can do it yeah and like but then we go back to our old habits we do it for a while then once we think everything is okay then we say okay the world's not ending now we can all start hating each other again Well, and I think that that's because change takes a lot of time and a lot of practice. And at least for me, the only way that I can rationalize what is going on, especially in the United States, you know, there was... There was literally... I mean, you can't make this shit up, right? Like, it's you... I open the newspaper and I'm just like, that did not happen. Like, like, I I just... I did like there. Did you read about? I, I can't remember. He was a senator or a congress who he was, who literally grabbed a woman's vagina oh. and said, "Well, I'm just. Oh, it was just a joke. I mean, we don't have to be politically correct anymore, right?" And yeah, like, that's I, happening a lot since the election, right? This idea that political correctness is well, we don't need that anymore, right? But and and quite frankly, I wasn't always very thrilled with politically correctness either. But I. I'm certainly okay with human decency and decorum. And that's exactly (laughs) the point. Yes, I'm not a fan of over-political correctness. Right. Because I think you become so politically correct that you're becoming also strangely, reversely racist in a way. (laughs) Right. But I do think that the reason that we have political correctness is because sometimes human beings can't get out of their monkey self enough to have human decency. Right, right. And that if we don't have, if we don't shame people into being politically correct in some aspects, then they'll go around, you know, using racial slurs and kicking people in the face and grabbing people by their private parts and just, you know, acting like the the documentary The Dark Side of Chimps. Yeah. Or, uh, you know, I mean, or idiocracy is like, now I jokingly say all the time, I'm like, oh my God, like that, I didn't realize that was a documentary. Yeah. I, I thought it was a... I think a lot of people, that movie, that uh, movie's terrified me. Right. Idiocracy, because right? I had just come off of of working for seven years on what was then the Howard Stern station. <sighs> and everything was lowest common denominator, make the topics about the lowest thing you can think about, 
don't talk about anything but sex keep people in that low place and then but we've been doing that for years Sheena then so now when I you saw wonder? Idiocracy people went isn't that movie funny and I'm like I thought it was depressing <laughs> I did too I still think it's depressing I was like that movie frightened me I watched it with my boyfriend and I'm like I, that movie scared me but you know what think about it I think it was Michael Mead. Um, uh, he wrote a book called Why the World Doesn't End. And um, I had the pleasure of interviewing him once, and we talked about this. And he's like, look, you know, we have spent, as a species, a whole lot of time dumbing everybody down. Because that's how you control the masses. Yeah. And so now, guess what? We have a whole, I mean, a significant portion of the population that is asleep that thinks literally that whatever the guy says on Fox News is telling the truth or yeah. any news any news anything they read on the internet any conspiracy site they go to they believe it's all true and they and they have lost we've lost our ability to discern to step back you know I get on my kids case all the time because they'll say something and I'll say well okay so where did you hear that oh well so and so told me okay well did you did you verify that and 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 it sounds really. I must be like the most annoying mother of my poor children. But I want them to learn. Like, well, just because Joe Smo, your friend, said it, yeah, doesn't make it true. Absolutely. Check your sources. Do your own research. Verify your information. Right. But the the thing is, Betsy, you're actively involved in your child's lives. So for people who aren't, and a lot of people aren't, no one's telling those kids. Don't believe everything you read and hear. So we're raising generation after generation of people who are believing everything they read and hear. Well, and that is the beautiful gift of part of the Industrial Revolution. Welcome to, you know, give, you know, let's just educate them as best, you know, to the best of their ability. Let's weed out the really smart ones and then screw everybody else. Um, You know, let's get menial jobs and menial factory jobs and not worry, not educate people. I mean, it's so funny to me. You hear about, I had, um, I did teaching for a little while and I taught documentary filmmaking and I, um, the class was amazing because I had students from China, students from Saudi Arabia, students from Korea, all over the world. And I had some American students. I'm not going to say that all of my American students were like this because I had some great students. So I don't want to sound like I was generalizing. But I'll tell you what, hands down, statistically speaking, any kid that came from an Asian country was way better prepared to truly take on the education that they were about to undertake. And the, that a lot of times, the, some of the American kids, they weren't prepared. Not only were they not intellectually prepared, but you could tell that they weren't emotionally prepared. Yeah. You know, they weren't, that this is serious. You know, you don't go into, like, from, especially in my classroom, I don't take any boo hickey from anybody. You show up in my class ready to work. And, you know, you don't slouch in your chair and you don't show up looking like a slob because you're working, you're stepping into the real world. And that's, and, and, and it's, it's sad to see that a lot of kids are not being prepared. It's interesting because I grew up in Orange County the second half of my childhood where there was a large Vietnamese population because a lot of uh, Westminster sort of became a safe haven for a lot of the refugees from the Vietnam War. And uh, I knew some people that I gr- went to high school with that as they went into college into different programs and then were in schools in Orange County where there was a large Vietnamese population, 
who not only were Asian, but also were immigrants' children. Because I think the children of immigrants work harder Mm -hmm. because immigrants realize what they have compared to what they had. Right. So suddenly, you know, these quote-unquote white kids are not doing nearly as well as the Asian kids. And then a lot of resentment began to grow. And then through that resentment, a lot of racism and bigotry Mm -hmm. began to grow. And it all was based in the fact that that these were kids that didn't want to work as hard. Right. And it's not a white, Asian, black issue because, you know, I'm sure that, you know, I'm Irish and I'm sure there was a time where, I know there was, where my Irish ancestors worked harder than anybody because we were so thankful to be here and we were trying to work our way up. But as we've become comfortable, you know, fat and happy, Mm -hmm. as Americans, we've let a lot of things slide. Well, and you know what? We've also come to blame everybody else. Yeah. It's not my fault that I'm not doing as well as I should in life. Right. It's, it's, it's the Vietnamese it's kids' the, fault. It's the Muslims. Let's blame the Asians. Let's, let's, <laughs> oh, let's just blame the Muslims for everything. Right? Like, we do that anyhow. We do that. And so, you know, part of what we, I think, at least I'm doing, and, you know, again, I, I don't purport to, like, have the, the, you know, the bag of wisdom anywhere close to me, but, but for me, I finally just have been doing it a lot in my life, which is going, okay, well, you know, enough looking outside to try to blame this, that, and the other thing. What's your personal responsibility? People don't take, we don't want to take personal responsibility. That sucks. It's hard to it sit is down hard, yes. and say, you know what, I I wrote this the other day. I said, you know, the worst day of my life was when I realized I created pretty much everything in my life. Yeah. And the greatest day of my life was when I realized, wow, if I could do that, I can do anything else. It's beautiful. Yeah, I, I think that uh, it hurts to take accountability and responsibility, but once you begin, then it becomes very easy because you get used to it. Well, and it's interesting because a lot of times when I talk about this with people, I get the, well, what about the woman in the abusive relationship? I'm going to give this as an example because okay. it came up recently. Because somebody always brings either starving babies in Africa or the woman that's abused. And I said, listen, it's not okay that the woman in the abusive relationship is getting hit or harmed. That's not okay. However... It's true that the woman in the abusive relationship, if she has the ability and given the proper insight and education, can get out of it and can learn how not to get into it again. But that's the hard part. A lot of times we don't have, you know, the information available to us. Right. But I think it's... Or the strength. But you know what? We've got to get it. I know. Like, you know something? At this point, we've got to grow some balls. Actually, I always say I don't want to grow balls because they're sort of weak and a little, you know, tender. You know, I think... I'm just scared if I had balls, people would just kick me in them all the time. Right. So I think think we have to... I think as I know in my own life, I'm sitting down and going, okay... I don't get to let myself off the hook. I can blame this other person. I can say, well, they were mean to me or they were an asshole to me. And that might well be true. And at some point as adults, we have the ability to know, okay, wait a second. I, I put myself here. I can get myself out. Yeah. And it's time to do that. Yeah. And we all have to man up it's that. It's very important to me. And sometimes when I talk to friends, they'll actually give me a hard time for, you got to give yourself a break. And it's not that I'm not giving right. myself a break. 
but it's very important for me to identify what my part in something was. Right. Maybe even to my own detriment. Maybe I overdo it. That is a possibility, and I'm working on finding that balance. Right. But I, I believe that you can only blame yourself for some things. Now, there's some things that are out of your control. If you marry what you think is the perfect person, and they turn out to be hideously abusive. Right. Well, you didn't know that. True. You know, my mom used to always say, you can't change what's happened to you, but you can change hey. what you do starting tomorrow. That's right. So you can't, you can't fix what happened you you know there are things in life that just blinds blindside you mm-hmm. and you can't do anything about it but you can decide what you're going to do moving forward and that's the thing where people get frozen in fear and, yes. and so we ha- that's why I, so you know we started this whole conversation with this sort of wondering my existential crisis of why I I do what I do why am I doing this and I realized that you know, if my form, you know, there are people out there that are in this business of, you know, the self-help and the personal growth who were super warm and fuzzy and gooey and, you know. I love those people. I, I, I don't know. I'm not very good with those people. You don't like the warm I, and gooey? I, I like a little warm and gooey. Don't you think I'm warm and gooey? I think you're very, you're, but no, I'm not in an inauthentic kind of way. Oh, no, 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 no. I don't like the inauthentic at all. I mean. I like people who are naturally just very warm and gentle. Yeah. I'm not very warm and gentle. Although, I I mean, (laughs) people, I mean, I'm very nurturing and very loving, but I'm very honest. Yeah. And I realized that, like, you know, I started to sit back and go, I'm going to quit doing all of this. I'm I'm literally, I'm going to find a job and just go melt away into society. And then I thought, you know, I shouldn't because... The world needs somebody who still believes all the stuff that we're talking about, the Absolutely. kindness and compa- but still comes out and calls bullshit and says, "You know what? We don't get to. I don't get to hide anymore behind my little victim card of, wow, you know, he was very narcissistic, and I should have. You know what? Yeah, he was. And once I figure that out, I should do my. I should do what I need to do to get out of here. I should do what I need to do to change the way I'm living because that. If when we all start doing that." We will, we will do, we will have what we want in our lives. That's the trick. Yeah. Yeah. So do you feel sometimes like a fish out of water because you feel like you're not um, a a fluffy rainbow unicorn world (laughs) enough for a lot of the new age community? Yes. Yeah. (laughs) Although a lot of them like have started taking on the the cuss words and stuff. I've been that way for a long time. That's okay. That has nothing to do with, I don't think profanity has to do with how gentle you are as a person. I swear like an old sailor. Right. No, I think it does because I tend to, you know, somebody once said to me about me, you know, I like to turn everything on its head, which is what I do. Like, I question everything. You know, this is one of the things that I'm realizing as a mother to a preteen that, like, I taught them to question everything. I just forgot to add, accept your mother to the end of the sentence. <laughs> um, and so I'm living it full on. But I do question everything and I do turn it around and I don't mull it around because I really want. A, I really want to try to authentically live whatever it is that I'm preaching okay. or talking about. It's not fair for me to sit up here and with a microphone in my hand and talk about being a certain way and then not be doing it. That doesn't mean I'm going to be perfect at it, but I have to live authentically. It. And the other thing is that, you know, I don't run away from truth, and a lot of people do. Sure. Because it's not fun sometimes. Yeah, or they just create their own truth that suits them better. Right. But what I mean by truth is like you can, you know, and you know when someone turns to you and says something to you, like says, you know what, I, I thought that that was really 
harmful or hurtful or vengeful or what's going on with you? What's the real fear underneath that? Because you made it all about this, but what's really, you'll know that someone's really speaking truth to you. I don't mean by the people making up truth. And we all have our own truth. We all have our own perspective. But, you know, you know when somebody says something to you that that you have to step back and go, oh, that's true. I was being that way. I was doing that. And a lot of people don't want to do that because yeah. that's no, then they can't blame you anymore. And, and I have a tendency to be that, that voice a lot in this world. Yeah. Well, what's the worst that can happen if you take responsibility for something? That's something that I've never really understood. Well, you lose. Is, uh, shame. You, you feel shame. You lose. You might lose. That's the fear, anyway. That's not the truth, but it's the fear. I have found in my own life that when I try to clean up things to the best of my ability, that it, it, it doesn't end up being as bad as I thought it would be. Yeah, I was going to say, I think you feel like your load has been lightened Yeah, when you begin to take responsibility for things. Right. I think it's a beautiful feeling to start to take responsibility for things. But And you think about it in terms of what's going on, we keep looking outside of us for our government to fix our health care and our government to fix this and our government to fix that. And that's the, that's a macro of personal responsibility you know i mean if we want to be and there are certain i'm sure we all need health care and i agree with that but you know i oftentimes say to myself you know what betsy you smoke so you don't get to whine and complain about health costs when you're causing harm to your body okay so you know i mean that's you know that's where you have to get real with stuff it's like you know people Right now, we have the capacity in so many ways to never go see a a doctor in a medical hospital unless we have a medical emergency, but like a broken arm or something. And even then, you know, there are so many alternative modalities that the government's trying to, like, you know, get rid of, but that, that can really help you and heal you. That, you know, maybe is there a way, and I'm sounding kind of crazy, like, this girl's insane. My point is that. I'm really looking at, okay, how can I start to take my personal responsibility for me and my kids and our survival and our thriving without looking outward at some government or some elected official to fix it for me? Sure. Because I think we've gotten into the habit of just thinking somebody else is going to do it. And that's kind of where I am in my life with everything. Like, okay, you know do I have if, okay if I don't have dental insurance right now well can I go to a dentist and do a trade what can I do how can I create this in a way that st- that creates a win for the dentist a win for my kids teeth you know these are the things I'm really examining Sheena and it's very it's 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 frightening and it's inspiring because it's making me live creatively again which is something I kind of had lost sight of for a little while do you think that we're going to start moving in that direction that that as a society we're going to move back to a barter and trade system? I don't know, but I'll tell you, it's very popular. And there's lots of people doing it. And there are lots of, you know, I, I, I'm not so up on the Bitcoin and all that anymore. I was One of my students a while ago did a documentary about it, so I learned a little bit about it. But there are, like, there are entire towns that have their own currency that, that you can spend within that community. Now, there's a, you know, I'm not, again, people are going to say, take a lot of what I'm saying so literally, you know, but I'm not saying we should abolish the dollar and all that kind of stuff. But, you know, one of the things that I recently started was a Patreon account, which was, um, 
Patreon is a website where you can... You yeah, can, I don't know what that is. Oh, yeah. So you can be a creator, and okay. it's almost like your own subscription channel. Okay. So for like $2 a month, you get my blog. For $5 a month, you get a little webcast. For... $10 a month, you get a monthly video, and, and there are different levels to participate in hearing what I'm doing. Okay. So, as opposed to me going to Simon & Schuster and having them publish my book, and then me getting you know a one-time advance, and if it's not a bestseller, then that's all I ever get, I just decided, you know, I'm going to be an independent creator. And if you like what you're reading from me, you don't have to buy a newspaper to get it. You, don't, you just give me $2. You go, God, I love that blog. Here's two bucks. And I, I'm looking at how do I do that in, in many other aspects of my life. Now, have you, you have how many books now? I have, well, I have five books. Okay. Mm-hmm. And then have they all been through publishers? Except for two. Okay, the last two? No. So the first one that I ever wrote, I self-published just because I wanted to, not the first one, the first one I wrote by myself. Okay. So the first one that I wrote was what the What the Bleep book, which was okay. co-written. And then, and that had a publisher, yeah, because the was, movie was so successful. Yeah, so okay. that had a publisher, and then I did a little book on my own, and then I had a second book, come, third book come out called Tipping Sacred Cows, right? And that was through a publisher. Oh yeah, and there was another book from the Bleep. The Bleep had two books, and they were through publishers. And then the last one, which is a parenting book called It Came Out of My Vagina. Now what is a self-published? Okay, and what has your experience been spiritually between? Having a publisher and self-publishing. What do you find more spiritually and emotionally gratifying? Um, it's nice when you have a publisher because they give you money in advance. Right, and we all like money. We all like money. We can but, sit and talk about raising the vibration until the cows come home, but we all need to pay our bills. To, we need to pay our, but at the end of the day, there wasn't really that big of a difference. Like okay. I did everything myself when I published. I mean, most of what I did when my first book came out, um, Tipping Sacred Cows, you know, publicist, promoting. I mean, at this day in the gauge, you got you do that all yourself for the most part. Um and the, the the parenting book was a collaboration book. Like I had like fifteen other moms write as well. So okay. it was kind of fun to that's not something that would have been easily done through a publisher. But I think that and I'm not just saying that publishers are, are bad or, or you shouldn't go with a publisher, but I'm looking at okay, so if I'm gonna look at this world in terms of stepping back from the corporate you know machine okay. stepping back from the materialistic perspective from materialism then I'm going to start downsizing my life which is what I'm doing and I'm going to start really engaging as much as possible direct okay so that means that you know if I love someone's music I want to go buy it right from their website I don't want to buy it from Amazon you know, and and I that doesn't mean that I and I think if enough people start doing this, look, we have to buy enough shit from Amazon that Amazon is going to be okay. Because people oftentimes say to me, "But what do all the people that work at Amazon and do all those things?" We are so caught up in this system that we cannot. It's got a stranglehold on us. So, but if you begin to step back and go, "Well, I could start to grow." enough lettuce and tomatoes and cucumbers and carrots in my backyard that maybe I don't buy those from the grocery store anymore, but then I can buy other things that I need from the grocery store. Absolutely. And what about in my own life if I go, gosh, I really want to start 
buying I love to read books so I don't have to order the book from Amazon I could go find the independent bookstore to do it there we have for me I'm starting to look at those ways and so when it comes to reading blogs and things like that you're going to you'll start noticing on a lot of bloggers websites a little donation button yeah I'm don't. just I'm just starting my first one. Donate. And I just thought about that today. I thought is, is it is it okay to put a donation button? How I mean, isn't that sad isn't that, that, that I have to ask, ask myself in the, whilst in the shower, is it okay to just put a little is donation button? Is it okay button? that somebody pay me a dollar cuz I spent 3 hours sitting here right thinking about and writing this for you? Yeah, it's totally okay. And we should all start supporting that a little bit more. One of the things that I believe is we've gotten kind of lazy in the sense that, oh, I can read Huffington Post and it's free. I can read this and it's free. I can go see movies and it's free. And you know what? And then you wonder why Donald Trump is president. Uh, Well, and then you wonder why we all complain that we don't have any money. Right. But we've stopped being consumers. You know, I was just talking to a friend this weekend about that that's a programmer. Um, about how he has a client that has written many things and there and, and made a lot of content. And there was a time, you know, 15, 20 years ago, where he would make something and PBS would pick it up and pay for everything. Or he would write a book and a cookbook and somebody would pay $20 for it. N- now people will go to Google and find a recipe online and not necessarily pay for something. So we're trying to find all of these ways to not have to pay for anything. And then we wonder why the economy is collapsing when we've all stopped being consumed. Well, and or we've started to be consumers. You know, one of the things I struggle with but that I've begun to talk like with my daughter about is, you know, she loves papaya. She loves, you know, Forever 21. And the, the, the conditions in which the clothing at those stores is made is appalling. Oh, okay. You know? so those particular stores or all st- mo- a lot H&M, of stores? H&M, a lot of those. I mean, look, okay. it's hard, right? It's difficult to even go buy clothes anymore. Um, and, I, and I'm guilty sometimes of buying jeans somewhere because you got to wear pants. So, you know, I, you know so you gotta, hey, you got, you're allowed. There has to be a compromise. But, but yeah. Yes, and so what the way I look at it is it's like, okay, I got to go buy this, this, and this, and this, and this, right? What ways can I continue to support artists and creative people and people who don't have their products all over Walmart? Okay. You know, so it's kind of like that's the way I look at it as a balance. You know, do I need Starbucks or can I go to that cute coffee place that's pop, that's it's mom and pop own every once in a while? I mean, look at these. If we all started doing this kind of stuff on a more regular basis, if you just started every day asking yourself, okay, how am I contributing? You know, I love reading that person's blog. I love listening to that person's radio show or I love doing this. How are you contributing to them? You know, I like, do you have sponsors? Yeah. So, I mean, hopefully you're... Not for this show yet. It's a baby. But I have sponsors for my daily show and for my other two weekly shows here. Sure. Right. So the people that are listening to their shows should be going to the sponsor and they should be saying, hey, I come to you because I heard you on Sheena Metal. Absolutely. And because this show is raising the vibration, I run a lot of PSAs. So please go and and check out these things that people are doing for the world. Yeah. That's that's your contribution to to listening to the show and listening to Sheena and I yammer for an hour and two hours. Is that... Yeah. all you have to do is say, oh, for this, I've got, I have was entertained for an hour, and because of that, I'm going to go check out this PSA. I'm going to go check out that company that's supporting this. That's the other thing. Where are we putting our money? You know, where people used to always um, say, oh, the big thing is I'll wait for Netflix. And I say, look, if it isn't a network Netflix original programming, if it's some documentary 
that you want to go watch on Netflix. That's nice. Go find it on iTunes or go to the documentary website. I bet you they are streaming it right off of their website for some small fee. And that $3.99 or $5.99 makes a huge difference. Whereas when they go to Netflix, they don't get paid for your view. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's uh it's hard because I think as humans and as Americans, we grew up in a system where the idea was to get somebody else to do it for you. Get the agent, get the manager, get the publicist, you know, get the headhunter, uh, you know, find somebody who'll take my resume and give me something wonderful. And now we're realizing it's a new world. And it's a it's like the Wild West all over again. Mm-hmm. And now it's sort of about you know, putting up your lemonade stand and selling what you got. Right. And I think as humans, um, modern civilization has made us lazy and reliant upon others to do things for us. Or an expectation that it should be an expectation that it should be free. Well, now that's with the new technological age. Yeah. Now everything we can find on the internet should be free. Right. And there are people who can find ways of getting things for free. Right. But there were always people who could find ways of getting things for free, even before there was an internet. Well, and my question is, why would you want it? I don't want it for free. Like, I'm literally that person, you know, when I started dating my boyfriend a few years ago, we would go to sit down to watch some movie and, and he would go to some torrent site or something. And I was like, what? I'm not doing that. I refuse to do that. And so now he knows, like, if there's some documentary or some piece of music or whatever, he knows I must pay for it. Like, I, it's, I can't, you know, I can't. I must pay for it because I know that whoever created that worked really hard and my 3.99 is a small price to pay for their work and and that's the way we should be thinking about everything instead of this idea that oh it should be free and this huge sense of entitlement that we all have so when you go to rent a movie though you're okay to go rent it through a service I will rent. Yeah, yeah. Because I, I, not everybody obviously can make a film available on their own website. No, true. But you, you know, what? a lot of people. If you're filmmakers out there, uh, let's see. What is it? Vimeo now has their own sure. on-demand system that you can use. But, but no, you can go to iTunes or to Amazon. Right. You know, um, I say I always. My rule is if I see it on Netflix before I watch it on Netflix, I will check to see if they have it on their website. If they have it on their website, I'll watch it there first. If they don't have it on their website, I'll go to iTunes or Amazon because at least there's a revenue share with the filmmaker involved where usually on Netflix, the filmmaker got some very teeny tiny one-time fee and that's it. Really? Mm -hmm. So Amazon is a better revenue share and iTunes is a better revenue share. Right. Right. I didn't know that. So if it's on one of those platforms, I'll watch it over there because at least I know the filmmaker is getting something. Okay. All right. See, I learned that. Yeah. All right, let's take a break. On that, now we've absorbed so much information. We need a quick break, and then we're going to be back with the wonderful Betsy Chassie right after this. It's Raising the Vibration Radio. We'll see you in just a few minutes right after you check out these wonderful PSAs. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on L.A. Talk Radio. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to LA Talk Radio.
Om Times Magazine is one of the leading online content providers of positivity, wellness, and personal empowerment. A philanthropic organization, their net proceeds are funneled to support worldwide charity initiatives via Humanity Healing International. Through their commitment to creating community and providing conscious content, they aspire to uplift humanity on a global scale. Om Times, co-creating a more conscious lifestyle. California legislator sends Bill SB 524 to Governor Brown to protect youth against institutional abuse. This bill would regulate residential programs notorious for abusing, attempting to convert LGBT youth. Let's be the change. Every child deserves to be treated with dignity and humanity. Stand with the Los Angeles LGBT Center and SIA organization against child abuse. Support SB 524. Go to PYIA.org and let your voice be heard. When Debbie Fragner gave birth to Maddie, she imagined a world of possibilities. But when her daughter was diagnosed with cerebral palsy, a neurological condition that impacts a person's ability to move and maintain balance, she had to adjust her expectations. Cerebral palsy affects 1 in 323 children in the U.S. While this diagnosis may limit Maddie's physical abilities, it doesn't limit her ability to dream. Maddie is now nine and has a dream to dance, which inspired the creation of the Children's Cerebral Palsy Movement, a nonprofit dedicated to the design and funding of innovative therapies that address not only the physical challenges of these children, but their dreams as well. As part of their Community Giving Day program, Whole Foods Market will donate 5% of net day sales to our movement on June 15th at their Tustin location and June 22nd in Newport Beach. Your purchases on these days will help further our cause. For more information, please call 714-746-4085. That's 714-746-4085. As difficult as it is to believe, there are places in Africa where human traffickers sell albino children and their body parts for use in magic rituals. Humanity Healing International is actively working in Uganda to change this paradigm. The Albino Rescue Project finds albino children who are at risk and places them in safe schools and environments where they can learn and grow free from fear. To learn more or to sponsor a child, visit HumanityHealing.org. Humanity Healing is where your heart is. Hello, this is Larry Russ, former keyboardist and vocalist for Iron Butterfly, and I'm here to tell you about that abuse is an epidemic in our world. Abuse has many forms, spousal and child abuse, sex and human traffic victims, and sexual abuse. Musicians Against Abuse wants to do something about it, and you can help. Contact maabuse.com. That's m-a-a-b-u-s-e.com. Join me and let's do something about it. maabuse.com. Alcohol-related harm affects us all. Everyone knows someone who's been touched. Alcohol-related harm ranges from lost jobs to serious mental and physical disease, from ruined family life to property damage, from violent crime to homelessness, death, or prison. Go to alcoholjustice.org and sign up for Action Alerts and E-News. Then you'll be ready to add your voice to many others when it's time to call for action that will reduce alcohol-related harm. Guitar, an amazing instrument. It has developed into an incredible voice in today's music. 
so many types of guitars, so many styles of playing, all sorts of gear. How does one make their voice be heard as a guitarist? My name is Jeff Floro and welcome to All About Guitar, where we talk tone, we talk technique, we talk gear. So join me 8 p.m. Pacific Time, 11 p.m. Eastern Time at www.latalkradio.com on Channel One. And let's explore All About Guitar. the vibration with Sheena Metal only on LA Talk Radio. And you got us raising the vibration radio right here on LA Talk Radio. Of course, if you want to go to I am raising the vibration of the nation and the world, that's our movement of peace, love, kindness and unity. It's at i am raising the vibration.com. Also on social media, I'm at Sheena Metal everywhere, and you can find out about the show also at latalkradio.com. My guest is the amazing Betsy Chassie, somebody that I love and admire, uh, not only for her work as an artist, but also her work as a spiritualist and a humanist, because I really believe, Betsy, that it's become about breaking yourself down into those categories, that we as artists, what does it all mean if we're not all, also spiritualists and humanists? Well, it's, you know, and do not even, it, to me, spiritualist, I think, rubs people the wrong way. And what I think that that means, when I, when I hear you say spiritualist, you know, and a humanist, we're all spiritual and we're all human because I believe in my heart that most people on this planet harbor in their hearts kindness and compassion. And I that love we, that. that the, so really, that's what we are. And I've had this thing recently where I have really tried to see that in people in the hardest moments when they're not being that. And it's been really amazing how many times the moment has shifted because I just chose not to engage back. Yeah, so important. I had a situation just recently... I was in the grocery store, and my daughter was kind of being sassy, which, I mean, yeah. she's my daughter. She's a sassy child. She's a sassy. <laughs> she's she's awesome. a strong girl and knows what she wants. Yes, she is. And so we kind of have this deal where it's like, look, okay, we just you just need a chillax break, or I need a chillax break. Let's just step away from the you know thing for a minute. And But we were in the grocery store. And so I said, look, why don't you go sit in the car for a minute? Because, you know, I'm going to be out in a minute. And this woman was staring at me. And uh, Laura walks over to the car, and she's 12. And, you know, the woman says, well, you know, what could you tell her to make her feel loved? And I thought to myself, (laughs) who the hell is this woman? And who does she think she's talking to right now? Right? (laughs) But I just looked at her, and I said, you know, that's a really great question. And and I really don't have time to um, sit here and talk with you about it. I would like to get done with my grocery shopping so I can go to my car. Well, you know, then it was judgment. Well, you should never send a 12-year-old to a car by yourself. And I said, you know, thank you very much. And you're actually making me take a little longer. And I didn't want to be rude to her. And I just kept trying to be polite. And she just kept trying to engage. And I just realized it's like, well, yeah, I could totally get into a whole thing with her. Sure. 
Sure. Or I could just say, listen, thank you very much. And I walked away. And I did. And it felt so much better because I totally, part of me wanted to just be like, luck, honey. But I just didn't have the time. And I thought, well, in the light of all eternity, like, really, what is this going to matter? And so that's a question I start asking myself all the time with people. Like, in the light of all eternity, do I need to fight this battle right now? And I don't most of the time. And so you don't need to get that. You know, when you're standing in line at the grocery store and this person's taking a long time, you know what? They might be having a bad day. They might be having trouble. You know, an older woman was struggling with her fingers one day, and I had to pee, like, so bad, right? And she's <laughs> doing her thing, and I'm like, breathe, because I wanted to just be yeah. like, you know? Don't pee at the register. No, but, you know. Just relax. Just relax. But my point is that, God, you know, yeah. can't we just. You have to have compassion. Can't we just all let it give each other a little bit of a break? Yeah, because you have to think that next time it might be me that's struggling and I can't get through the register fast. Right. But there are there also are those people that are constantly creating chaos. Well, yeah. And one of the ways that people create chaos in a very passive aggressive way, I have found, is to engage you in that sort of. Well, wouldn't can I just get in the middle of your life and tell you what you should be doing? And it's to me, it's chaos creating. And but you don't have to choose, like no, I, but you don't, you don't have, have to engage. You don't have to engage. Yeah, I am I don't new, feed the trolls, people. <laughs> don't, don't feed the fear. There's a meme. Don't feed the fears, people. Oh, I um, love that. But mine is like I'm choosing not to play. Like I've decided that the only way that I can get through this life is to realize that I'm literally stuck on a video game, and this is this, this is the level I'm on, and that the way to win this level is to choose your battles. Sure. And so I often say I I am not cho- I'm choosing not to play. Well, maybe that's the next step in evolution. Maybe. And maybe that really is this the the goal of getting past this level of soul school <laughs> is to choose your battles because I really believe that um that in my life not engaging has changed my mm-hmm. world. Mm-hmm. Because I was somebody that, you know, you know, I'm an Aries and I'm Irish. I would stop and say, "Look, lady, not to be mean, but because I always felt like I had to be the defender of right. Right. And eventually I just learned to put my gavel down and shut the hell up. And and that's me too. I'm the same way. I used to love being right and knowing and having the answer. And now I'm just like, you know, I don't have enough data or information to engage in this argument. So therefore I'm not going to speak. And, and it isn't even for me that I wanted to be right. I just wanted to defend. Yeah justice. Oh, I wanted to be right. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I, I wanted to defend justice. And then I realized that kind of nobody asked me to. <laughs> and and that I can defend justice in my own life. Right. But that there are certain people in the world that they feed on you engaging them yeah. and arguing with them. And we see that on the internet, right? Yeah. People that troll just to get attention. And the best way to get rid of them is stop giving them attention. Yeah, I got caught into a little bit of a Facebook battle the other day, which I finally had to end, because I realized, like, you know, they brought in God, and then they told me that somewhere in the Bible, God said they should build walls to protect cities. And I was just like, and then I got funny at that point. I'm like, because they were ranting at me because I had posted was the this Mar- about Donald Trump building the walls. That yeah, started? but it started with me posting the Meryl Streep speech from the Golden Globes. Oh, yeah. You can't ever put it. Yeah. If you ever dare put anything up that's liberal. God forbid. They all and I, come. I, yeah. you know, and she was so, you know, I didn't. Well, she was mad because it had ruined her award show. And I was like, wait a what? second. I'm like, listen, honey. I thought her speech was beautiful, and I thought it was right, was almost nonpartisan in the way that I it was thought just it was too. engaging people to human decency, to, to use decency, to 
to keep to engage the media to keep their eye right. on the world right. that we then need to keep our eye on the media right. everybody keeps their eye on everybody else that we need to have more empathy which is always good yeah. and that we as artists need to keep telling stories even if they're difficult but Sheena she didn't thank the people she should have been thanking and and it was and Viola somebody's dress you know what I mean like this is oh, what Viola I, Davis's yellow dress yeah apparently, apparently and I'm reading this and I'm like okay I can't even have this conversation anymore but when she brought the whole and I just said to her I said you know because people like in people's mind that's real stuff the trophies and the dresses and the thanking I of know. the la, 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 la. and it's like th- that's just more of the illusion and you know what? Award shows. I mean, we have an award show a week now, don't we? I like, know. there's we, one every single week for something. <laughs> haven't we hit it at this yeah. point? I it's mean, like, and this is now. This sounds terrible because I grew up in this business, loving this business, and I do. I love the business of show, and I love being a part of it. But I have to tell you, after what I've gone through this year, and after founding this movement in November. Um, I was at a friend's Golden Globes party where I sort of sat in the corner and actually wrote two posts for Raising the Vibration of the Nation while I was in the corner. And and I found that a lot of the award ceremony just didn't interest me. And what the Golden Globes and what did interest me and the Golden Globes are my favorite of all the award ceremonies because I I love what the Hollywood Foreign Press does. I don't know if you know this, but um, because I I was an artistic director for a theater company for a couple of years and I've been on their board before and after still. Uh, and they give us a grant every year. They take all the money they make from the Golden Globes, and then they give like two to three million dollars away mm. to uh, theater companies and music charities mm. and film schools. And they invite all the donees to come to uh, the the ceremony. And it's usually all the celebrities that have presented at the Globes are also presenting at this. Mm. And it's beautifully done, and it's at the Beverly Wilshire at the same place and in the same room, and it's all about giving back. So the Golden Globes are absolutely my favorite. But I just find that except for the 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 individual speeches that are moving, right. I don't feel terribly engaged with the dresses and the right and the and the showiness i just wasn't I, really feeling it this year and i, and I can it, understand that i kind of had a crisis of faith on the way home and <laughs> called a kind of a very buddhist friend of mine and said what's going on i, I feel like a like a complete fish out of water and yeah he's like he's like you know what sister you're you're growing yeah. and you're changing but when meryl streep spoke uh, i cried yeah that that i was engaged yeah. and and i loved viola davis's introduction of her mm-hmm. of talking about getting to meet somebody she had admired for so many years mm. but i found this year a lot of the speeches to be very very whitewashed i think the whole country is in a a little bit of a of shock there, we're in existential crisis right now, big time. And not I mean, quite sure what to do. No. Because and, normally the speeches at every award ceremony, this, all the speeches make me cry and everyone is inspiring. And I didn't feel a lot of inspiration from a lot of the speeches this year. I think, well, okay, first let me talk about the dresses and stuff. I kind of enjoy that. It's fun. Sure. But it's not like if I, if somebody gets up onto the stage and, and says something that's politically and again, I didn't think that what Meryl Streep said was political. Actually, I thought it was humanistic yeah, more than too. political. Me too. But um, but 
I, that doesn't bother me either. I think to myself, well, I, even if I don't agree with them, you think about it. They have a stage of millions of people watching them. They have an opportunity to speak about something that they believe in. Thank God, as opposed to just being these plastic people wearing expensive dresses. I agree. You know, good for them. And usually the speeches are off the hook lovely. I mean, the, I mean, in past years... There have been just some amazing things. Uh, Matthew McConaughey's speech at the Golden Globes mm. when he won for Dallas Buyers Club, mm-hmm. I think, was one of the most beautiful speeches I've ever heard. Right. This year, I found it was a lot of people almost seemed like everyone was sort of in an opiate haze. Yeah, well, because people don't... Well, I think there's a lot of fear about people coming out against certain people. Sure. And look at the backlash for Meryl Streep. Yeah. And, well, I don't think she cares. Good for her. No, I don't think she cares. (laughs) And apparently the president-elect thinks she's overrated. Yeah, apparently so. Um, And so I think that we need to start looking for more substance in people. And if people don't have substance, then I'm not really interested in giving them my time anymore. I, we don't, I don't have it. I have two little kids. I'd like them to have a planet to grow up on, please. Yeah. So, you know, I'm sorry that what I said to this woman is I said, look, I'm really sorry that your award show got, got interrupted by, you know, a, an important conversation about humanity. <laughs> Oops. Sorry. You know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, it's, I don't understand how that ruined anybody's ceremony. Because Apparently it's off, yeah, I, I guess, but that's kind of what's happened since you know in the last year and a half or so, right? That you're not allowed to voice an opinion that someone else doesn't agree with. Well, and it goes that to me goes back to this: people would much rather just sit back and be entertained and wait until they die, and not have to do anything else. Yeah, just like idiocracy in a way. I mean, we have people. That's what I started to realize in, in looking at this conversation that I was having with this woman. It was like. This woman, life, she she can't deal with it so much that all she cares about is speeches and pretty dresses. Yeah. That's yeah. Her, she needs her royalty back. You know, she's probably a big on what Kate Middleton wore. And there's nothing wrong with that. Well, actually, I'm going to go out on a limb and say there's a lot of shit wrong with that. And that's kind of what I'm done with dealing. It's like we I, I refuse to be asleep anymore. I refuse to yeah, be lost too. in this illusion. And you know what? If you're going to be lost in the illusion, get out of my way because you're not helping society anymore. You're you're hurting it. Yeah, I agree. And well, and I, it's interesting that from a from a faction of people in our country that are so concerned about over political correctness, mm-hmm. that then they would criticize an artist for giving a speech from her heart. Right. Well, by trying to censor her, isn't that exactly their argument? Well, the, my favorite one was somebody, she posted a meme of Mark Wahlberg saying, actors should stay out of politics. And I'm like, um, isn't he entering into politics by making this quote about staying out of politics? I mean, right. it's kind of hip- hip- hypocritical. And, you know, anybody who says they shouldn't talk about that because they're an actor. You know, what I pointed out to this woman was, well, Meryl Streep has a better education than Donald Trump does you know she did go to Yale for God's sake right and uh, and Vassar I believe where she graduated at the top of her class so you know where did where did Trump maybe go they don't even know if he actually went there they think he got a degree he's got the degree but you know I mean at this point let's just everybody should be allowed to speak I said we should be allowed to speak our minds we should be taught respectful nonviolent communication we should be taught how to have an opinion without needing to be right about it we should taught 
we should be taught how to hold an opinion and stand for what I believe in and then make valid discussion points. That's what I talk to my kids about now all the time. I said, you don't get to argue with me and say, well, because, or I read it over in this thing or my friend told me. I want them to be able to learn how to intelligently and calmly communicate. Yeah. And you know what it is for me? My biggest uh, trip trigger is, is the hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. Look, if you really want political correctness to go away and you want to be able to grab somebody's genitals and call somebody the N word and call uh, gay gay people the F word, then fantastic. If that's what you want and that's what you're claiming you want, then you can't fault an artist for speaking her truth if it doesn't agree with your politics. Well, that's kind of what I said to this person. I said, you know, let's just compare this Meryl Streep speech to the most recent Donald Trump speech. And, you know, at least one of them had decorum and grace and and humor and intelligence. Yeah. You know, I mean, and that's all I'm asking for. Like there I have friends who, you know, have we will get into a conversation about Affordable Care Act or 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 um, something to do with some foreign affair and we can sit down or education is a big one and have an intelligent conversation about it. Without thinking, without my fear at any moment that, like, this person's going to actually physically cause me harm. You know, there's a lot of people you can't do that with. No, no, (laughs) no. You're absolutely right. And it's, I remember a couple of days after the election when Hillary Clinton made her, and it's, you know, no secret that I was a Hillary Clinton supporter, and I was in 2008, that when she made the speech where she got the honorary award from the, the Child Defense Fund, and she talked very much about you know, keep loving America. America Mm -hmm. is worth it. And I put something up on Facebook that said, it makes me sad because this is the kind of medicine that I think our country needed, but yet we didn't want it. And I mean, within seconds, there were people like, well, you know, her law degree is fake. And you know, you know, she looked fat and you know, she didn't have any makeup on. And it was just like a a, a hate fest. Yeah. When all I said was, don't I love her message that after she literally got kicked in the crotch by this country, she said, please keep fighting for this country because it's worth it. Nobody heard that message. Right. They just wanted to, to go and scream their agenda. Right. And I think it's almost like we've become Betsy like a pack of crows right. that are just yelling out our own thing mm-hmm. and not listening to what anybody else says. Because and we, that scares me. Because in order to listen would mean that I might be wrong. Yeah, I hope I'm wrong. I hope I'm wrong about a lot of things. I hope I learn that I hope some today somebody tells me something I don't know and I learn. I learned something from you in the last hour about Netflix. I hope I just continue to learn. But to me, that's evolution. I mean, your personal growth is your human evolution. Right. And that's, you know, if we aren't growing, I mean, for me, my own challenge is, I step back at the end of every year and I go, well, what beliefs did I hold at the beginning of this year that I no longer hold? Yeah. Is, what is there? And if it's like, oh, God, there's nothing, then I think that, that I'm not doing my work hard enough. Because I, you know, certainly as I get older, my values even change. You know, it's really funny. Um, my daughter will want to do something and, and, and I'll want to mock it or judge it and go like, oh my God, that's so silly. And then I have to stop and go, well, she's 12. And when I was 12, I wanted to do something as silly and as ridiculous. And you know, that's, that's her expression. Um, and, and 
I don't get to decide what her culture is and what her you know her experience is in life and and that to me is ever so now I'm constantly having to change belief systems because you know for a while I was really judgmental of selfies for instance and oh, when I, you oh, didn't like the selfies I would take I'm gonna them, make you take one after the show I know I mean I don't mind taking no, but that's not a selfie because that's you and me in the picture <laughs> okay that's an ussy that's I an believe. ussy okay? I'm all about the ussies you were an I ussy. don't really take selfies right. but I take a lot of ussies and sometimes I would take these selfies and I'm like this is so weird but you know I had this great conversation with her about like she's not a, you know she's like mom sometimes I take selfies because it expresses my mood and I look at her selfies okay. and I go well okay yeah she is doing that like she'll make a funny face and just say something like feeling really funny you know and that's her generation's way of communicating and that's fantastic you know so I had to change my mind because I was started I started by being this sort of like totalitarian no selfies no this and I realized well, wait a second. Before I decide anything, let me talk with her about it. And in having a conversation with her about it, I saw her perspective. I was able to shift my belief system around it. And, and we came to a beautiful understanding. But if I'm just sitting here going, I got it all figured out, I'm, that will never happen on any level. Well, and it's interesting because when you think about it, like we all love Van Gogh's selfie, right? right? And and many people believe that the Mona Lisa was Da Vinci in drag. Yeah. So that's kind of his, his selfie. selfie. So... You know, there is artistic expression well, yeah. in how you feel, but then there are also people who have just jumped on the narcissist bandwagon and just want to see how many pictures of themselves they can post everywhere. Well, and I think, again, everything, if we can begin, like at least with my kids for the most part, I try to create context for them and dialogue for them, you know, so that it isn't this like, you know, there's this big thing going around on, I don't know if it's YouTube or Snapchat or one of those places where these girl, girls specifically will make a video that says, so t- tell me what you think about my hair, or if you really like it, or do you think I'm pretty, or do you think I'm fat? And then basically the comment sections are like these horrific, you're the fat, and like these little teeny tiny skinny girls, you're so fat, you're la la. And, and, and it's, this, it's this need for connection and and for approval and validation and validation and they're because humans hor- need validation horrifying. like mad things so you know so i sit down with my kids and i'm like all right so what's the deal with the selfie so you know what is what what kind of stock do you put into the number of likes that you get and what what kind of value do you put on you know a connection directly with a human being versus the number of likes let's talk about that and i think if you do all of that with your kids and you give them context and perspective then, then I think that that helps. Like, you know, for Alora, she actually just started a photography page because she's really good on Instagram because she wants to share her art. Good for her. I think it's fantastic. But she, but she doesn't need it. Just to, I continually check in with her that she's not needing it for validation. But most, that's the kind, so don't bash the technology and take the technology away from them. Right. Give them context. Give them some, something to wrap their head around with it, to understand, well, you know, people always say, well, technology's really bad and people are running around with their noses in their phones. True, it is. We are. And we can create balance with it. There's context. So today, you know, my kids, I was editing for two hours. My kids were work uh, at home. They kind of watched TV for a little bit because I had to edit. We get out. We took a two-hour hike. So an hour or two of screen time, an hour or two out in nature, which is where she ended up taking this really cool picture anyway. 
and so the balance again it's like we, we have this tendency to sort of judge everything it's very black and white one way or the other right or wrong and that's how we go and when we can create space and context and sort of flexibility then then we're going to have a society that's a little more chilled yeah, I agree. And, and encouragement of people instead of criticizing them. That everybody finds their own way in their own way and in their own time. And you have to be okay with that. And everyone has their own way for creative expression. Right. You know, I have a friend who's in his 60s, and he gets very upset if he doesn't get enough likes on Facebook. And I don't even pay attention to likes. I just like the comments. I just want to make sure I answer all the comments. I don't mm-hmm. even count the likes. Supposedly, you're supposed to do that. I'm just now learning that. But he gets very frustrated. And I say, you know, it's like... You know, you're a, he's a fine artist. So I say, you're a fine artist. It's like if you paint 100 pictures, not everyone's going to sell. So you figure out which ones sell, and then you make more like that. Right. And that's sort of how Facebook is, too. You, you're figuring out what people like by trying different things. Right. Or you just don't care, and you just put what you want up there, and you don't care if you get likes or not. I kind of just, you know, it's funny. I have this fan page, and it, it's so weird because... You know, I'm sure I get a lot of people that like me from The Bleep or from Song of the oh, New Earth or one sure. film or another film. And then there's all this other stuff in between. And so my face, my Facebook is either going way up or going down because I think people are like, God, I, I only like her because she made Bleep and now she's talking about infertility? What? Like, Because I just finished a short film about infertility. So, you know, why is that not about Bleep? And it's like, it's, it's like we want to... I'm like schizophrenic or, or uh, because I have so many different personalities. And it's funny because... Uh, again, I just don't care. I used to go like, wow, like 50 people dropped off yesterday. What happened? And then, wow, 100 people dropped on today. And now I'm like, I don't care. Like, I, I, th- this is me. Take it or leave it. Yeah, I feel the exactly the same way. Now, is that sort of a, a, a you know, a new age hole that you fell into where <laughs> after you did what the bleep do we know, everybody expected that for the rest of your life, everything would be bleep? Well, and I and I sort of led them down that path a little bit in that, you know, the, for a while, that's all I did. But I, that's all I did was because that's what I can get funding for. Sure. I mean, now I'm I just finished a short film called The Empty Womb which features a fine artist named Robbie Firestone who um, shares her process of going through infertility and ending up without a baby. Okay. Um, And she created an amazing, unbelievably authentic and honest and real and raw art installation around the process of grief. And, you know, it's been interesting because we've been talking all the, the show about, you know, human, being human. And I think one of the things that's Robbie so beautifully expresses in the film is that we we're not very good at just being present with each other with where we're being we're very judgmental so in Robbie's experience she experienced a lot of rage and grief and jealousy because she didn't get to have a baby and she had no outlet for that because in order for her to say to somebody I'm really jealous that you had a kid and I didn't that (gasps) I can't believe she said that. Where instead of going, oh, I feel for you. I can totally understand that you're jealous. We we just we judge everybody and we sit around. Thank God, she, I can judge her for being jealous. Now I don't have to judge myself for being insensitive that I just told her. Oh, it doesn't matter whether you have kids. I mean, we we're so unpresent to our feelings, and we're even afraid to express them authentically. And we wonder why we end up in these like rage scream f- fights and people go shooting up schools. 
we have no we have very little ability or capacity to listen or communicate to each other authentically what's what's going on and so that's even though the the underpinnings of the empty womb is her story of infertility that's sure. what it's really about but i mean that again right the the compassion mm-hmm. put yourself in somebody else's shoes and understand that there are people who, you know, I everything in my life is not about having a child, which is why I didn't have children. May I someday adopt a couple of kids? Sure, I might do that. I, I haven't ruled it out, but it because my mother was adopted uh, and because neither of us know who our fathers are, it, it was not a big thing for me that I had to have my own. Mm-hmm. And I had such a screwed up. Uh, reproductive system that I was just trying to hang on to it from minute to minute. Can't believe it made it to 45. They didn't think it was going to make it to 20. So I knew from the beginning there was a chance I wasn't going to have my own kids. And it was okay with me. But for some people... That they re- that's what they want. I mean, that's their thing. Yeah. That was my mother's thing. Yeah. She wanted kids so badly. Uh, she would have been okay to adopt them. Right. But, you know, she wanted a child so badly that she went and, and found out about artificial insemination back in the days when it was kind of this backdoor Joe sent me kind of thing. <laughs> so, th- you know, I understand what it's like to have that urge to be a mother. Right. And you can't disregard that. No. I mean, well, and you can't disregard what somebody's dream is. I'm, I'm in uh, development on a documentary <clears throat> called Project Surrogacy. We're actually going to actually have a soft crowdfunding campaign going on. That's called ProjectSurrogacy.com. And we're, one of the things that's been going on with surrogacy is it's gotten a really bad rap in the press because, you know, a couple of foreign countries did some weird things they probably shouldn't have done. And everyone's like, <gasps> surrogacy is terrible. Meanwhile, there's literally thousands and thousands and thousands of babies that have been born through surrogacy that live normal, beautiful lives. And there's amazing surrogate women who are surrogates who aren't just in it for the money. And so we're telling their side of the story. We're making a story like kind of the positive side of surrogacy and 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 what this what this beautiful gift one woman gives to another and in, in caring and having her child. That's beautiful. Yeah. It's uh it's I mean this is a labor of love to have a child for someone else. Yeah. Yeah, and there I are mean, women that have done it three, four, and five times. And they're not getting rich. I mean, there, oops, there's, some, there's some sort of myth out there that these women get paid hundreds of thousands of dollars, and, and that's just not the case. You know, it's, it, they don't. They get enough to survive because, okay, why shouldn't they get paid? We are, here we are back to this conversation of money. Like as if somehow this woman's going to give up her body for nine months and give birth for you, that, she, that getting paid is a bad thing. Right, right. What is she supposed to do at that point? Yeah. How is she supposed to make a living while she's carrying your child? You know, I don't know. That's a little strange. Well, and but this is the thing. We have this weird thing about what's appropriate to pay for. Art, you shouldn't pay for art anymore. It should be free on the internet. Ba- you know, women who want to have surrogates shouldn't, surrogates shouldn't get paid because that's like buying babies. I mean, we've got a really warped sense of all this money. Meanwhile, we'll let our government take half our money and make it into bombs and drop it on innocent people in other countries. Like, apparently that's, you know, that's where most of our money goes to through the government. Right. To war. Yeah. To senseless war. Yeah. Yeah, I, I don't, I, yeah, I don't understand that at all. I, I think that if anything anybody wants to pay for and anything anybody wants to sell, as long as it's not harming anyone else and it's right. legal, 
I have no problem with it. Right. I don't have a problem with women who are strippers. I don't have a problem with prostitution. I think it should be legal. You want to have sex with people for money? That's your business. I mean, I think I if you're agree. an adult and they're adults and money is exchanged, that's that's no different than the lemonade stand. It's just it's exactly. not lemonade you're selling. Um, and, and it upsets me as a woman when we talk about femininity and taking our power but then we as women criticize other women for what they're doing to make money. It's like, look, to me, it's, it's beautiful that we live in a country where you're allowed to make money dancing around the stripper pole if that's what you so choose to do. Well, and imagine, you know, just like with, I don't, I can't speak 100% for pot, but my sense, so again, I'm, I'm not speaking, I'm speaking anecdotally, not factually. When we start to legalize marijuana, okay, yes, as we, we are, as we are doing, we will start to see that it becomes more regulated. It becomes safer. It becomes, you know, people are making the proper people are making money off it. The wrong people are not making money off it. You know, that's that's if if it's done properly, that's what it's supposed to do. And I would say the same would probably happen for prostitution. I bet you that a, a huge part of human trafficking would probably. They just passed a law, which was hilarious. This is another one of those moments that just cracks me up. Somebody posted a link to this article that said, California just made child prostitution legal. And I read the article and I went, okay, wait a minute. That did not just happen. What? what? Like, that can't be right. And I read the article and I realized that they were referencing a new law that basically says that children... Uh, prostitutes under the age of 18 will not be prosecuted anymore, which is actually a kind of a good thing because what happens is some of these young girls, now they're not so afraid to come and tell the truth. Now they're not so afraid to come in (coughs) and report people and or if they get arrested, it doesn't go on their record and screw up their lives for the rest of their lives. Absolutely, yes. But it was funny. Again, so two things happening there. One, People have to read beyond a friggin' headline before you hit share. Here's the tip. Share less. <laughs> right. Just, just, if you don't have, if you haven't read the whole article, and you, if there's a moment when you're reading the article, when you go, huh, don't share it. No matter how titillating and amazing and shocking the headline might be. If we just all started to do that, to start that kind of like, you know, um, willpower, a lot of this stuff would simmer down. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and don't retweet something unless you've read it. Right. And think about what you're retweeting or sharing before you do. I mean, read it before you send right? it on. I mean, that's just <laughs> insanity. Um, but that is a wonderful law because a lot of kids that yeah. get arrested for prostitution under the age of 18 right. then get stuck in the system and don't know how to get right. out. And I and I honestly don't even know all the details about the law, so I can't really speak to the whole law, whether it's valid or good or not. But what struck me is, first of all, the ridiculousness of this headline and how misleading it was, but that, you know... I wonder if, you know, if prostitution were legal, would we have as much trouble as we do? No, and drugs too. Yeah. I mean, I know this is a terrible thing to say, but I say legalize all of it, tax it, and people say, oh, but people would become addicted. Well, people are already addicted. And and at what point is your life your responsibility? Yeah, and and it would take away a lot of the gangs controlling things. I mean, you know, you want to buy your cocaine at Rite Aid? Rock on. (laughs) 
<laughs> you know, tax Literally, it and put, and put the money to, right, get your rocket right, eh? <laughs> and put the money towards schools. Well, you know, again, one of the things that I tend to, I would be considered conservative, and actually you probably would be too, in the traditional sense of the word conservative. Okay. Is that we want less government. It's just that we want less government in terms of our own personal space. Yeah. Like, I don't mind having government regulations around emissions and EPA and food and things that are, you know, mass produced that maybe we should probably have somebody paying attention to. But no, I really don't need the government to have its, like, fist up my vagina. No, I don't like that. I don't want them in my bedroom, and I don't want them telling me what I can put in my body, what right. I can do, what I can eat. Um, but but I don't mind there being bigger government to help. Uh, I don't mind social programs that help people that are in need. I don't mind social programs. I have programs. no problem paying out for that. No. I have no problem paying for education. I have no problem with there being public schools that I put nope. money into. Not at all. I have no problem with there being... Uh, roads and programs that I put money into uh, with the government funding the arts. I have no problem with any of that. Uh, but I don't want a government that tells me who I can sleep with, and who what, I can talk to. And what pills I have to take. Right, or where I can live, what pills I have to take. I just went through that with Alora. She had to, neither one of my kids were vaccinated and Alora had to be vaccinated this year because she had to go into seventh grade. And she couldn't do it without vaccinations? And she couldn't do it without vaccinations. Now, I'm not a believer that vaccinations are altogether bad. I'm, I'm not, not a total. necessarily believe that either. I don't believe that they need to give them at the velocity and ferocity that they do with between like zero and two years old. I think we can slow that down significantly. It's like there are other countries. I think the Netherlands <clears throat> is a really good example of a country that vaccinates on a much slower schedule and nobody seems to be having any trouble there. But, you know, but it just so happened that it pissed me off that it was a law, <laughs> you know? Yeah, but it's just what they do, right? I, I had an about the, between Christmas and New Year's with an irregular heartbeat, and, and I've had high blood pressure for a while, and I've been on medication, and through diet and losing weight have been able to bring it down, and I love the medication that I was on and uh, was getting it to the point where it was almost normal uh, just on this medication, and my plan was to keep losing weight and eventually get off the medication. Well, I had this irregular heartbeat that... that that my cardiologist now, my new cardiologist, thinks was brought on by the stress of this year because a mm -hmm. lot of things have gone down. And they immediately loaded me up now on three medications. I feel terrible, and my blood pressure has never been higher. Mm. So now I'm meeting with him this week, and I'm going to literally print out all the side effects, highlight all the ones that I have, bring him, because he said, let's do all this blood work. So we did a ton of blood work. I just had it two weeks ago in the hospital, but we did it again. And now I'm bringing him all the medications and my blood pressure cuff. And he said, let's sit down and make a plan. And I'm going to be very firm about part of my plan is I don't want to be on a bunch of medications right. well, that aren't helping. I mean, my kids always laugh when they see those uh, com um, commercials for the medications, and then they list the side effects oh, afterwards. Yeah. They're all, like, they all have death. Oh my, yeah. And then you die. Stroke and death. Well, we were talking about this earlier, and I, I don't think I was very eloquent about it. My point was like, you know, uh, there is a lot of preventative stuff that we could be doing. And so we're all screaming about healthcare being too expensive, which it is, and medications being too expensive, which they are, and... 
what are ways that we, you know, I, I'll tell you what right now, if we as a society got together and said, you know what, we're all going to do start doing this cannabis oil and this oil and started really being active and vocal about it, the follow the money. At the end of the day, everybody loves money. And if they think they can make a lot of money off of that, believe me, they'll go that direction. But right now, we're too quick and easy to take pills. And, and a lot of the pills we don't need. I'm looking into doing no, a documentary. Over-medicate terribly. And that was really the point of my story. Was yeah. That, that given a chance, you become over-medicated horribly. Right. Well, and I was going to say is that we're um, looking at doing a documentary on children's mental health. Because... T- <laughs> You know, every five minutes a kid is diagnosed and dumped on some pill when, yeah. quite frankly, they need to change their diet. They, the parents need, there's a million other skills that the parents could be given that have nothing to do with medication, but most medical hospitals and places don't provide that. They have to go outside of it to get through these other groups and organizations and nonprofits to get this help because really it's just give your kid a Ritalin and everything will be fine. Right, and that's the idea that you medicate, 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 medicate. I mean, I went into to the hospital with a, a, an irregular heartbeat for the first time, um, very scared. They immediately threw me in the ICU and then, you know, I understand it was very dangerous, but then it was, they were ready to like, you know, stock me up with 12 procedures mm-hmm. to have. And I kept saying, but this is, you know, this is the first time I've been diagnosed with this. Wouldn't it be a better idea to just try medications first? You know, but you could get rid of it if you just, if you just have the ablation and we just go up through your, through your crotch and then we go up and we just fry this nerve. And now I'm reading a lot about it and finding out that a lot of people have had this ablation just to find out that then it pops up in another place and they have to have another one. And it's, mm-hmm. you know, it's sort of like how 20 years ago we were fusing everyone's discs. And then we realize that a lot of people now have no movement because they've allowed all the discs in their spine to be fused. So I'm not a big I'm a big fan of being my own patient's advocate right. and saying no, I I don't want that. Well, and you have to be. And what I say to people a lot of this time is, you know what? There's there's a lot of good in Western medicine. There's a lot of good. It saved a lot of lives. Absolutely, I, I and docu- I'm a firm fan of it all. And. You know what? Your doctor doesn't know everything. And you know what? If you find the right doctor. Yeah. I think I was talking to somebody the other day who said, you know, he had to find a doctor who would let him go in there and say, hey, wait a second. I don't know about this. And I've read about this. And that the doctor was like, wow, great. Let me, let's talk about it. Usually what happens is the doctor goes, well, you shouldn't be, you don't even know what you're reading. Well, you know, this guy's pretty smart. And the fact that the doctor was willing to sit down with him and go, well, okay, I see what you read. Let me show you what this is. So at least there was a, a dialogue about it. You know? Yeah, and that's when I went to see this new cardiologist whom I love, the first thing he said was, thank God you didn't have those procedures mm. because there was no reason for it. Right. But I think you, you get in the hospital and then it becomes crisis central. Right. And then everybody just starts throwing things at you. Well, that's my documentary, Pregnant in America. It's all about the state of natural childbirth in the U.S. Which right. Is there the should be more of that, too. McDonald's, McDonaldization of, making, of giving birth to babies. Yeah. You know, we have we, this great American country has one of the highest infant mortality rates in the world. Yep. And how we now want to schedule our C-sections when it's convenient. Right. Instead of just giving birth when it's time to give birth. Right. And we don't have any long-term studies on the impacts of that either. I have two C-section babies and they're okay, but they were both medically needed. Right. You know, I wouldn't have been able, so I'm not against a C-section, but there are complications that can occur, you know? 
Yeah, I'm, I'm not a fan of messing with something that isn't broken. But we do that. I'm part of the intersex community. And how many kids have come out with, you know, um, not standardized looking genitals and immediately we want to start moving everything around and messing with everything and changing everything Fix to it. make it fit mm-hmm. into a box. Right. Now, my particular difference was a situation where I had to either get it fixed or have a hysterectomy as a young person. And, and it was explained to me that having a hysterectomy as a young person is hard because you're healthier if your body's making its right. natural hormones. Right. So I chose to correct the things that would make me the healthiest. Right. But well, for, for some people, it's that well, this aesthetically doesn't look right, and this isn't, this isn't male enough or female enough, and we must fix this. And then, you know, you have kids that have had 65 surgeries before they're six years old. Right. And what are the, what are the long-term effects of that? Right. So, you know, we need, to stop, we need to stop fixing everything. Everything doesn't need to be fixed. Well, there's a saying that says, you know, we're not broken. I think, you know, we talked about raising the vibration. And Absolutely. The thing is, like, just remember that you're not broken, that you're just human, and we're all just doing the best that we can yeah. with what we've got, like, right now. You are as God made you. And if I just walk around every day and, and remember that as I look at people, I'll tell you this cute story as we're coming close to the end. There's this cute story. So after the day in the grocery store with the woman who wanted to shame me for being a bad mother <laughs> that I decided just not to engage... Laura and I are again in another grocery store a couple days later and uh, we were in Trader Joe's and I was buying a bottle of wine and this woman was standing the little teeny tiny cute old lady was standing there ready to buy wine and I was looking at for my wine and she looks at me and she goes do you know about wine I'm I'm supposed to bring red wine to a dinner party and I, I don't know what to buy and she was fraught with this question like as if it was the most important decision of her life it was very cute and I said well how much do you want to spend and she said you know it's like ten dollars or so and then I found something that was like twelve dollars I'm like oh this is twelve dollars but it's a really nice bottle of wine she goes and she can I hug you and she hugs me and she kisses me and she hugs my daughter and kisses my daughter and grabs her bottle of wine and off she goes and it was so sweet the little things it right it was so just sweet just making somebody's day in the smallest way mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. when I called to make the appointment with this new cardiologist whom I didn't know but had been recommended from my gynecologist and you know I was scared to death and I had just gotten out of the hospital and his office manager was so sweet and lovely with me got me in right away because you hear these stories of specialists you can't get in for two mm-hmm. months and I told her I had just gotten out of the hospital and that I was on limited time. She got me right in. And then as she was hanging up the phone, she said, you have a beautiful New Year's. So when I went into the appointment, which was the week after New Year's, I stopped her and I said, you know, you're going to think this is crazy, but I was so scared when I called you and you were so lovely and your energy was so beautiful. And I thank you for wishing me a happy New Year. And she took my hands and she said, you have just made my whole week. But, you know, tell people how you feel. It takes 30 seconds. Yeah. Say something nice when Mm -hmm. someone has done something nice. Mm -hmm. And or just smile. I the funny I smile at people now all the time. Me too. I always I'm I'm a smiler. And I've I've always been that way. But it's been funny because lately I've looked at people and smiled and more people are looking back and smiling. I think because people are realizing we've got to love each other. more. We cannot, we can no longer have an expectation that something outside of us is going to do it for us. We have to do Your it Your iPhone doesn't smile back at you. It doesn't. 
it might play some cool music while you smile at Absolutely. other people. <laughs> it answers or some questions show. like, where's the pizza place? Right. But it, but it doesn't smile. You need right. a, a living creature for that. I have a really fun game for everybody to play. I did this show, Radical Dating, um, and we were filming. And one of the things that they go out and do is it's, it's an exercise called Just Connect. And it was really interesting. We sent them into the mall, and we invited them to just connect with people authentically. And some of the cast members had some really interesting experiences because of I it. I bet. And great conversations with people just by simply being open and having their hearts open and looking people in the eye and smiling and saying hello and and, and being willing to engage. It, it was it was mind-blowing. You know, I'm by nature very much an introvert. And it's, it's taken me a lot in my life to learn to be an extroverted person. Mm-hmm. But I feel so much better since I have. So, and a lot of it's just repeatedly reminding myself to continually connect. Yeah. And it's changed me. Well, and you know what? If we really want to raise the vibration of this planet, then we have to, we, we have to feed off each other. And that's the way to do it, to connect with other people. Absolutely. And to continue to, you, I resonate with you, you resonate with me, suddenly we're resonating with three and then four, and we're, and we're growing it. Well, and for people who are very religious, wasn't that really the message of Jesus was, right. you know, connect to God, connect to others, connect to yourself, and, and all with love. Mm-hmm. I mean, it's really just that simple. Yep. You're amazing. Will you come back and do this again? I would love it. Absolutely. Thank you so much for having me. Uh, thank you for being a part of the show in its infancy and for being Yay. one of my first guests. Where can people find you online, my friend? BetsyChassie.net. Do it. And if you, uh, if you missed that, uh, you can also find me at uh, LATalkRadio.com, uh, IamRaisingTheVibration.com. Please join us there. We're over 1,200 strong now, and I'm so proud of everybody who's there. Uh, and on social media, I'm at Sheena Metal everywhere. Uh, we're going to be here every Monday from 7 to 9 p.m. Don't forget to raise the vibration. It's the most important thing in the world right now. We need to do it to make the country and the world a better place. We'll see you next week, and thanks for listening. I love you all. You're listening to Raising the Vibration with Sheena Metal only on L.A. Talk Radio. Irreverent, entertaining, cool. You're listening to L.A. Talk Radio.